Grammar Girl here. Today is going to be a big to-do over the verb do. That's right, do. You might not have given much thought to how many jobs do does and how unusual it is. So today we're going to give do its due. First, let's consider do's job as an ordinary verb. In fact, I used do in that way when I said how many jobs do does. In that sentence, does has its basic meaning of performing some action. It's a vague meaning, with the specifics coming from the larger phrase it's in, such as do the dishes, do your homework, do your nails, do lunch, or do someone wrong. You just have to learn idiom by idiom that the action is washing, do the dishes, eating, do lunch, and so on. Sometimes you need an entire sentence to know what do means. For example, do happy doesn't make much sense, but it does if it's uttered by a grumpy boss or teacher who says, happy? I don't do happy. And remember that time our friend Fenster ate a bite of pizza and the cheese stretched out until it finally snapped and ended up on his chin? Now we call that doing a Fenster. Do carries even less meaning when it's used as something called a light verb. When do is a light verb, its direct object isn't just any noun, as in examples like do lunch. Instead, it's a verbal noun. For example, you can do a study, do a dance, or do a dive off a diving board. When do is a light verb, the information about the specific action doesn't come from the rest of the phrase it's in. It comes just from that verbal noun that tells you exactly what the action is. In do a dance, it's the verbal noun dance that tells us the action. Other light verbs include take, as in take a nap and take a walk. Make, as in make an announcement and make a decision. And have, as in have a cry, have a swim, and have a talk. As an ordinary verb or a light verb, English do has near equivalents in other languages. But where do really stands out is as a helping verb. Actually, the way English uses all its helping verbs is unusual among languages of the world. But even among languages that use helping words the way English does, English do is odd. In English, helping verbs switch places with their subject in order to form questions, such as, have you eaten? Where are they going? This so-called subject auxiliary inversion also happens when we put a negative adverb at the beginning of a sentence. For example, I might say, never will I allow that to happen. According to the World Atlas of Language Structures, subject-verb inversion is mostly limited to languages originating in Europe. And the English version of that strategy, subject-auxiliary inversion, is rarer still. The requirement for a helping verb is so strong in English that when we want to form a question out of a clause that doesn't have one, we bring in a helping verb anyway. And what helping verb do we use? That's right, it's do. For example, take the sentence, I finished writing my book. There's no helping verb in that sentence. So to turn it into a question, we supply the helping verb did. Did you finish writing your book? In chapter one of his book, Our Amazing Bastard Tongue, linguist John McWhorter points out that English is the only one of the Germanic languages to do this. There are other things that do does that set it apart. In negative sentences, English again uses do in a way that other Germanic languages don't. Like questions, negative sentences in English require a helping verb to come before the word not. 
and when there's no other helping verb to be had, it's do once again that steps in. So instead of just putting no or not at the beginning or end of a sentence as many other languages do, English uses do not or don't. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, missing pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Aside from questions and negations, you can even use do in sentences just to show emphasis. So if your mother chastises you for not making your bed, you wouldn't just say, but I made my bed. 
you'd say, but I did make my bed. As McWhorter notes, these are more things that hardly any other languages in the world do. In fact, the only other languages that exhibit this kind of behavior with their verb for do are the Celtic languages, the mostly extinct languages that were spoken in Great Britain before the Angles and Saxons came to stay. McWhorter argues that these striking peculiarities are strong and clear evidence of how the Celtic languages influenced English. Surviving Celtic languages include Irish, Scottish, Gaelic, and Welsh, which has the same peculiarities about do that English does, and can even have uses like, I did make my bed, in ordinary, non-emphatic utterances. As a clincher, McWhorter reminds us that English used to be like that, too, and quotes a few lines from Shakespeare, such as, My pulse as yours doth temperately keep time. Doth is like do. One more example of do, serving when no other helping verb is available, is in elliptical verb phrases. That is, verb phrases consisting of just a helping verb, which allows us to avoid repeating a verb phrase. For instance, if a minister asks you this summer, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband, to love and cherish in sickness and health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, till death do you part? I don't recommend responding, I take this man to be my lawfully wedded husband, to love and cherish, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, till death do us part. Instead, I do will work just fine. What's really fun is when helping verb do runs up against ordinary verb do. As Cole Porter wrote, quote, do do that voodoo that you do so well, unquote though I wouldn't advise singing that line to an audience of elementary school boys. Then there's the well-worn joke about three lines of graffiti involving do and be. One version goes like this. To be or not to be. Shakespeare. To be is to do. Socrates. Dooby-dooby-doo. Sinatra. And with that, we've done our due diligence. This podcast was written by Neil Whitman, who blogs about linguistics at literalminded.wordpress.com and is a regular columnist for the online resource Visual Thesaurus. And I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.